In this episode of Physically Spiritual, I will explore the first step to living an emotionally healthier life, slowing down and eliminating hurry. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I have been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. First, I want to apologize to all of our weekly viewers or listeners. Last week, we weren't able to record an episode. We had a time to record lined up, and then there was a terrible storm that came in that prevented me from getting to the studio. And the next day, my family and I went on vacation for a week. So it just didn't work out, but I hope uh, you had a, a nice, relaxing, and safe week. Before I get started in the content of this episode, I want to acknowledge that I am maybe the worst example of this. This episode's all about how eliminating hurry, slowing down is a key to mental health, to emotional health. Uh, Currently, I try spending every moment I can with our eight-month-old child and my wife. I work full-time at the pastoral center for our diocese. I do speaking and spiritual direction as a side hustle, and I record a weekly podcast. And I'm on our local Catholic radio station every week. Uh, So let's just say I'm busier than I probably should be. So I'm challenging myself with this material uh, just as much as I'm challenging you with it. So just know that I'm not here uh, to condemn from a high and mighty place, but I'm here to share in the challenge of what I think the Lord wants me to talk about today. We're surrounded in our world by a kind of cult of busyness. I think it's common when... Uh, People are asked, how are you, or what's your life like right now, or how have things been? People will respond, busy. Uh, Busy has really become kind of a status symbol in our society. For a lot of people, being busy equals being desired or being in demand. Uh, If people were to respond, things have actually been kind of slow. I think they might be tempted to feel like that's a bad thing. They're not doing enough business or they're not getting enough done. Uh, there's a whole a whole business around busyness, around productivity, around uh, how to get more done with the same amount of time. I don't think we often take a step back and wonder, is this really good for us? Like, is this good for me as a human person? Or does this cult, cult of busyness serve something outside of me? Does it just serve the market economy or the bottom line or our bank account? But is it actually making me who I'm called to be by God? Is it making me the best version of myself? Is it making my life healthier, happier? And and I want to challenge me and everyone else with the idea that maybe it's not. Uh, people have actually started to define a condition called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. This is a condition uh, where people actually become anxious, depressed, mentally ill because they're hurried all the time, that it's, it's so deleterious to their mental health that people have given it a name now, a diagnosis. Uh, some of the uh, ways that you might identify if you suffer from hurry sickness are things like this, speeding, both in your car and through conversations, the grocery store or your meals. Rushing through work tasks or household chores to the point where you sometimes make mistakes and have to do them again. 
frequently performing time calculations in your head to see whether you can fit in just one more task. Feeling irritable or getting angry when you face a delay or something doesn't go your way. Or constantly trying to find ways to save time. You know, if you've ever been in line in a grocery store and you thought maybe one of the other lines is going to be a little bit quicker, and so you get out of line and and get into that quote-unquote quicker line, that's probably a good sign that you're hurrying too much. I believe slowing down can be really an important first step in growing an emotional health and becoming more mentally healthy, more emotionally grounded. One, if you're doing less, you just have less to be anxious about, less to worry about, less of your mind running from one thing to another. Two, slowing down will give you the ability to notice what's actually bothering you, to know what's happening in your heart, in your mind. And and then three, it'll give you the space to actually face those issues and deal with them, deal with the underlying causes of your anxiety, your depression, whatever negative feelings you're having. And then fourth and finally, slowing down and taking the the time in your life to notice what's happening will give you more time to focus on your mental health, right? A lot of the practices that I'm going to talk about in the upcoming episodes of Physically Spiritual about growing in emotional health are going to be things that take time. Things like journaling, having important conversations with professional mental health uh, people or with just your loved ones in your life, Uh, meditation, prayer, right? If, If we want to face these difficult things in our life and deal with them in order to really uh, get to the underlying causes of why we struggle, it's going to take some time. So we need to make time and we do that by slowing down. Before I go further in the episode, I want to invite you to become a patron of Physically Spiritual. The patrons of Physically Spiritual are members of the TOTUS TUUS community. As a a member of the community, you get access to premium content, a membership in the Awakened Nation. You'll get access to the full Ask Me Anything episodes and many other benefits. So head over to physicallyspiritual.com to find all the benefits at the different giving levels. If you want to get access to all of your member benefits... If you support Physically Spiritual or any other of the shows on Awaken Catholic, get the Awaken app. Head over to theawakenapp.io and you can get a great experience, audio or video of all the shows, access to a great alternate social media platform that is solely Catholic, or you can get access to a lot of other great content, prayers, meditations, and a whole lot more. So search for the Awaken app on the App Store or the Google Play Store or go to theawakenapp.io in your web browser. A great new opportunity on the Awaken app is going to be Awaken Your Lent. This show should be published on Fat Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday. And if you want to take your Lent to the next level this year, consider Awaken Your Lent. If you're already a patron of the show or a member of the Awaken Nation, you're already going to have access to this great benefit. But Awaken Your Lent is going to include uh, daily meditations on the scripture readings, uh, daily, uh, daily saint meditation, talking about a different saint from the Catholic Church. It's going to include prayers and devotionals. And I am recording a special new, uh, a special new series as a part of this called Restorative Meditations. These restorative meditations are going to be sort of a Catholic 
mind-body approach to meditating on scripture. So this is going to include an introduction course going through the principles of restorative meditation and then a weekly meditation that enters into the Sunday mass readings in a way that will restore your heart, restore your mind, and change your body. We need to face the fact that even though Jesus was doing a lot of really important stuff, Jesus was a busy guy. He wasn't in a hurry. So when we think of conforming our lives to Christ's life, and if we're living our life in a hurry, the fact is we're not living like Jesus did. Jesus insisted that his followers weren't in too much of a hurry either, that they took time to slow down. Uh, This is a a verse from Mark chapter 6. Jesus has sent his apostles off uh, to do ministry, and they've come back to him. And this is what it says. It says, The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in a boat by themselves to a deserted place. This is a great passage. Can you relate to that? Like you're so busy, you don't even have time to eat. I know I have days like this at work where I'll pack a lunch and the end of the day comes and my lunch is still in my lunch pail. (laughs) Uh, But this passage is so interesting for another reason, because these people are coming in great numbers, right? There's And from a certain sense, customers, people are coming to them. They have engagement. They have more followers. In modern social media language, more likes, more subscribers. The crowd is growing. And Jesus' response to this momentum in their ministry is to leave. And when they can't get away, to literally get on a boat so there's water in between them and the people who want to get to them. Jesus insists on slowing down. Jesus insists on going into solitude. Jesus insists on making time for prayer. Jesus insists on on not hurrying through everything in life. Even though what he was doing was literally the most important thing in history. Because slowing down was that essential. at about 10 times in every gospel, and each one it's a, it's a little different, more or less, it, it says that Jesus goes off by himself to a deserted place, either literally out into the desert, up a mountain by himself to pray, uh, off wandering away from the people who are seeking after him or, or his followers in order to spend time in intimacy with his father. It's also instructive if we Look at what Jesus did when there was an emergency, when there was something both important and urgent in his life that comes up. We can see how he responds in the story of Lazarus's death. When Jesus finds out that one of his dear friends is on his deathbed and that, I mean, he's God, he can go and save him from dying. This is what it says Jesus does in John chapter 11. It says, so when he heard he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. 
you might think this would be the ultimate drop everything in run moment, right? Just, just move there, run there, get there as soon as you can to save this man's life. But Jesus remains where he is for two days. And it's not that Jesus didn't care because when Jesus does finally go to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he hears that Lazarus is dead, we have the shortest verse in all the scripture, which is Jesus wept. He cared deeply. It was very important to him, but it still didn't make him hurry. He, he acted in faith. He acted in confidence. Now, now of course, Jesus is, is working with a different hand than we are. Jesus was God. Jesus had access in, to the divine intellect. He knew what was going to happen. So I think in, in our human condition, without access to Jesus's divine nature and all of its fullness, maybe there are times when we should, uh, you know, get around and get to something. If, if you have a child sick at home or, or an emergency with your spouse or, or uh, you know, someone's about to get injured or something, yeah, we should rush to help out. So I'm not saying there's never a time where we should rush. But we need to, I think, examine our lives and reconsider what we consider to be a true emergency. What are those things that make us anxious, that make us drop important things that maybe aren't urgent and change our focus? And consider how how Jesus took his time. He wasn't in a rush. He was about his father's work, whatever it was, peacefully present to what the Lord had given him that day. I want to talk now about four key areas of how we can slow down, how we can eliminate hurry in our life. And I was inspired in this section by the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So I'll have a link in the show notes to that book if you want to check it out. So the first key practice to eliminating hurry in your life is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Jesus craved solitude. Uh, In the scripture, it says, The report about him spread all the more, and crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments. But he would often withdraw to deserted places to pray. So the, the, the scripture mentions time and time again that Jesus would go off to deserted places, but this says that it often happened, implying that it's happening more than what the scripture explicitly says it does. Right, And the people are coming to be cured from sicknesses, and he's still leaving them to go to these deserted places. Jesus was God, and he still needed this silence and solitude because it was in the silence that he could enter into intimacy with his Father in a deeper way, in a more profound way. And in the solitude, I think what Jesus knows human nature better than we do. He knew what it was to be human, what we really needed, what it, it takes to be healthy. So this practice of solitude is essential to be a healthy human. It's essential to have peace, to be who we're called to be. I'll put a link in the show notes because in, in uh, season two of Physically Spiritual, I did a whole episode on solitude. So I would encourage you to go check that out if you want to go deeper on this one. A real easy, practical way, I think, to find more silence in your life is to take your phone 
and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> now, this might not be possible. Uh, so maybe a dumb phone or maybe a smartphone or maybe locking down your phone in some way. But I know for me, uh, when I had a smartphone, there was kind of this constant background noise, almost like there was a, uh, a white noise running in the back of my mind that was constantly drawing my attention to look at the device. It was like it was like mental emotional gravity that was consistently pulling on my consciousness. Maybe you need a phone for work, right? That doesn't mean you need your phone at home. So maybe the practice can be turn it off, leave it in your glove box of your car. If you really need to make a call or you expect a call to come in, pull it out after dinner and look to see if the call came in or make the call. But do whatever you can to separate this device from you. Uh, it, it's, it can be such an insidious influence in our life. The second practice for finding more solitude, more silence, slowing down, eliminating hurry, is taking a Sabbath. Taking a Sabbath. We really should, as humans, I believe, have two days off a week. On one of the days off, we do the work that we need to do that we're not getting paid for. Do your laundry, pay the bills, uh, the yard work, you know, get ready for the rest of your life. I like to do meal prep. Uh, and then you need a day that's for God, a day where you don't do any work, where there is no labor. This is one of the commandments. God really thought that this was so important that it had to go into the Ten Commandments to keep the Sabbath holy. Not just to keep the Sabbath, not just to have the Sabbath, but to make it a day that's holy. The Sabbath is an act of rebellion against the cult of busyness and the cult of money. As the twilight of Christendom fades in our world around us, so will the Sabbath. And we see this already happening as really the majority of businesses in our world remain open on the Sabbath. There was a time in our country where that wasn't the case. And we knew that there was still this kind of echo of Christendom, of, of Christian influence in our culture. And today, it's just a few very publicly, very strong Christian-run businesses that demand to be closed on Sunday. And they're often ridiculed for this choice. So by keeping the Sabbath, we're making an act of rebellion. We're literally cutting down our productivity by one-seventh. We're making probably one-seventh less money by actually taking that day off. But this is a part of the rhythm of life that's essential. Uh, we can't serve both God and mammon. And I'm going to talk about this in a later section too. We can't serve both God and mammon. So we have to make sacrifices in our life that literally mean we're going to be more poor. God instituted the Sabbath, not just as a commandment, but as a part of the natural law. In the book of Genesis, when God created, it says, On the seventh day, God completed the work he had been doing. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had undertaken. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Now, God didn't rest because he was tired. So if you're telling yourself, well, I don't 
need to take the Sabbath off because I'm not tired. Well, join the club. God wasn't tired either, and he still took the Sabbath. God was omnipotent. The Sabbath wasn't required for God. What God's doing in the seven-day creation story is he's teaching us about the nature of reality. The Sabbath isn't a rule. The Sabbath is part of the natural law. It's part of the design of nature. It's part of the way that God created the world. So we can either bring ourselves in harmony with God's design and flourish, or live in a way contrary to God's design and break ourselves. We're we're not going to overcome God's design by our effort in human ingenuity. That's folly. What else do we see here is that the Sabbath is blessed. The Sabbath is blessed. The other thing that God blessed in his creation was human life and animal life. And, And God made us able to be fertile and multiply in that blessing. So in the creation story, there's a connection between being blessed and being life-giving, being multiplying. So the Sabbath is, since the Sabbath is blessed, the Sabbath is also life-giving. It's life-multiplying. There's a spiritual calculus that happens on the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't just a spiritual rest day like you would take in your exercise routine. The Sabbath is a day that if we, if we give it to the Lord, he blesses our life in a way on the other side that we could never expect. The Sabbath is also holy. The Sabbath is holy. It's sanctified. Meaning not keeping the Sabbath isn't just like this kind of optional thing that we might do or might not do. But not keeping the Sabbath is actually a desecration of something that the Lord made holy. It's it's an act of, of rebellion, but it's also making something unholy that ought to be holy. So there's something deeper here. There's different senses of, of time in the ancient world. Uh, the ancient Greeks had two different words for time. They had chronos was a word for time, and kairos was another word for time. Chronos time is like clock time. It's the time of the measurement, a period of time, like a scientific approach to time. It's the productivity kind of time. This other kind of time, Kairos time, is is a really time considered as the present. It's the in the moment time. It's the kind of time that eternity will be, that heaven will be. So the Sabbath is really a time of Kairos. It's a time of being in the present. So it's a time of the for, a foretaste of heaven, of what God is offering us in eternity with him. I'm going to emphasize it again here. Hopefully it gets annoying. But a great way to keep the Sabbath holy is not to use your phone on the Sabbath. If you can, throw it away. If you can't, just turn it off. I think this is a, a great way to focus on your family, focus on uh, things that you, you really need to get done in your life, um, you know, like not doing anything, that book you want to read, that extra prayer time you want to make, uh, the games to, to play with friends, the, the great meals to share together. But getting rid of your phone on the Sabbath is a great way to keep it. 
Our third practice for slowing down is simplicity. Simplifying your life. Literally getting rid of stuff. Not having so many things. And probably also not having so much money. In Matthew chapter 6, our Lord says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Notice that Jesus doesn't present this idea as a commandment. He doesn't present it as a commandment. He doesn't say, thou shalt not serve God and mammon. It's not a commandment. It's a law. It's a rule. It's you cannot serve God and mammon, meaning it's not possible. It's not physically possible. It's not spiritually possible. It's not ontologically possible. If you're serving mammon, you're not serving God. And if you're serving God, you're not serving mammon. And mammon is just another word for money, for wealth, for the goods of the world that aren't God. Our culture has this uh, idea of minimalism. And minimalism, as helpful as it can be, and I think kind of practicing minimalism in your life could be helpful, minimalism isn't gospel poverty. Minimalism is not gospel poverty. Because oftentimes, minimalism can actually cost you more. Part of minimalism is uh, not just having less stuff, but it's also having sometimes nice stuff. (laughs) So gospel poverty and minimalism are two different things. Gospel poverty is is, is really a, a life of radical sacrifice. It's according to your state in life, whether you have a family or you're married or you're single or you're consecrated, if you're ordained, uh, if you're in religious life, and whatever your state in life is, there's a certain way that you can be given to others in a radical way. So it's not just giving up what you don't need or clearing out the stuff, the clutter. Gospel poverty is actually giving to the point where you don't have everything you need. Giving to the point where your life isn't as good as it could be. Giving enough that you're actually making a sacrifice. So here's some ideas for simplifying. Give away everything in your home that you haven't used in a year. The, the, third, the second idea here, just to annoy you, get a dumb phone or lock down your smartphone The third idea on going more simple, throw away your television and cancel every streaming subscription that you have. Take that money that you save and give it to the poor every month. Give it in alms. All right, our fourth and final tip for slowing down, eliminating hurry is literally just to slow down. You can do less. But doing less is only going to help so much if you're still trying to do it quickly. We have to slow down. Jesus didn't just, uh, or the chosen people didn't just take a Sabbath once a week. There were actually three weeks during the year, three holy weeks, three festival weeks, where they had week-long Sabbaths. Where all seven days of the week were taken as Sabbaths. They had to to really slow down. It was built into the rhythm of their life, into the design of their society. Here's what the first letter to the Thessalonians says in chapter 4. We urge you, brothers, 
to progress even more and to aspire to live a tranquil life and to mind your own affairs. We urge you, brothers, to progress even more and to aspire to live a tranquil life, to mind your own affairs. What St. Paul is, is challenging them to is that there's a certain point in the spiritual life where progress is, is impossible if we don't choose to slow down, if we don't choose a more tranquil life, if we don't choose to stop worrying about all the stuff outside of our sphere of control and influence, if we don't start to mind our own affairs. So find ways to literally integrate slowing down in your life. Maybe it's just driving the speed limit, literally slowing down. Maybe it's uh, when you make your to-do list, put half as much stuff on your to-do list every day. Fill in every other line. You literally slow down. You plan on doing less. It's when you get home from work, or maybe if you work from home, taking a moment to transition out of work and into engagement with your family. Breathe, meditate, pray. Take a period of time to slow down and enter into Kairos with your family. Enter into the present moment. Enter into worship with them. So in summary, our four tips for eliminating hurry, slowing down, silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, and just slowing down, not being in such a rush. So I hope from this episode, you can take away a couple practical tips. I know going through this challenged some ways in my life that I had begun to hurry again, to not uh, keep the Sabbath holy in every way I can, to not really consecrate my time to the Lord, to slow down and to pay attention. God bless everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.